0: Have you ever stood on the brink of a cliff? Exhilarating. Scary. Especially if you get close to the edge of the cliff. It gets scary. And I don't know if I have a weird mind or whatever, but I think in terms of what if? Don't go there, Carrie. Don't go there. Right? On the Brink is the title of this series that we're walking into. It's actually going to be broken up and scattered through the summer. that uh, we have also have, uh, the fourfold gospel series that we're going to be looking at, and there's some standalone Sundays that we're going to have. We had Mother's Day, we've got Father's Day in June. Uh, Joe Yarbrough is going to be chairing on Memorial Day weekend, and so, uh, it's just sort of interesting as we work our way through the summer, but one of the things that we were going to be looking at uh, is the subject of on the brink from Revelation 1, 2, and 3. Jesus speaks to his church. Maybe your life is on the brink. On the brink of greatness, some really great things happening. Or maybe your life is on the brink, and you feel like maybe you're going to fall off the cliff. Jesus speaks to you, and he speaks to his church. The last words that are recorded in the Scriptures from Jesus are not from one of the four Gospels or even the uh, first chapter of Acts When uh, right before he ascends into the heavens. The last words of Jesus, what's referred to as the red letters. Do you guys have red letters in your Bibles? They don't make all Bibles with red letters. But red letters in the Bible mean Jesus spoke them himself. If you go to the book of Revelation at the back of your Bibles, you will see a lot of red letters. Why? Because Jesus speaks to his church through a vision that he brings to the apostle John. And in these words, he addresses different churches. And from those churches, he gives them words of affirmation and encouragement about the opportunity that stands before them. But then he also gives them strong warning and exhortation. Isn't that just sort of like your parents? Hey, you could do great things, but you need to get your homework going right now. Right? On the brink. And I'm asking God, and as surely as um, the ladies shared in uh, the Now to Next conference that was uh, here yesterday for the women, uh, we are sort of on the brink as a church, Now to Next, what's God calling us to do? But I'm very mindful that many of you are at places in your life when you're asking that question that they looked at yesterday. I'm in my now, but what's next? And is what's next good or is what's next not so good? So I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book of your scriptures, so it's not too difficult to go there. We're going to have fun today because I am actually running my slides from up here with this remote. So if you sort of get lost, you can't blame the tech guy today. You just say, Pastor, move your slide forward. All right? It says this in Revelation. Chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? How many of you read the book of Revelation in the last year? Wow, that's pretty good. How many of you have sat and read the book of Revelation straight through? Wow, I'm impressed. And how many of you have listened to the book of Revelation straight through? I did that yesterday. I went to um, a memorial service in Santa Ana. Tom Parnackian's sister passed away and had the opportunity to go be a part of that at uh, the Harvest Church over uh, by the John Wayne Airport. And so I decided to do that little Bible app thing you have. And I put on audio. I let it go through my Bluetooth in my pickup truck. I kicked back and I said, I don't even care how bad the traffic is today. I'm just going to listen to the book of Revelation spoken by Max McLean because he's sort of dramatic. I want you to know, by the time I got to that memorial service, I was like, and I could not finish out the last two chapters, and those are the encouraging chapters. I said, Lord Jesus, when I go into this memorial service, could you pick me up and encourage me? Because I think the world is in big time trouble, right?" You see, in the book of Revelation is this incredible word that's given from Jesus himself about things that are now and things that will take place later. And if you read the book, it's a little overwhelming. There's a lot of symbols. There's a lot of imagery. It's uh, apocalyptic literature. And, uh, it's scary at places. But our world's sort of scary sometimes, isn't it? I'm not one of these big-time fatalist kind of people, but when you start to see evil raise its ugly head in different ways and the instability of governments and nations and the lostness of our interior life of our own souls and our desperation for looking for things, it doesn't have to be outside uh, terrorist acts or even acts of nature. Many people take their own lives because they are desperate inside. There is brokenness around. And so when I got sort of... Out of my pickup truck, I said, Lord, I need to be lifted up. And I tell you what, it was one of the strongest, most encouraging memorial services I've ever been a part of, of a life well lived for Jesus and for other people. So as we step in to Revelation, I'm mindful that there's a lot on the other side of chapter 3. We're not going there. But I encourage you, if you want to get some of the fuller context for on the brink, you definitely start to realize that we are a world on the brink when you read through all of Revelation. And you won't understand it all. Nobody, nobody understands it all. But there are elements and highlights that start to come through in an understanding. I'll tell you how you sum up the book of Revelation real simple. In the end, Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus wins. That's what the book of Revelation is about. And guess what? If in the end, Jesus wins, then if you're with Jesus, you win. But if you're not with Jesus, you don't win. And those people that don't win in the book of Revelation have an eternity of not winning. But it's encouraging when you realize with all the world events all the uncertainties maybe of your everyday life, that in the end, Jesus wins. And if I'm with Jesus, I win. So if you're on the brink, I want you to take hope. Because if you turn towards Jesus today, if you've never turned towards Him, then you have not only an eternity that's secure, you have a presence and a life that's available in this challenging world. That's immediately at hand. It's for you. But if you do not turn to Jesus and you're on the brink, then there's frightful things that can happen. I um, recall in my early years, I used to be scared about a lot of the end time stuff. I actually started to read a lot about it so I could get sort of context for it. If you're out of my generation, one of the books you probably read was Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth. Mike Bartell is a part of our body. has worked with Hal Lindsey Ministry for a number of years. And... Uh I've always said that I was so appreciative of the work that was done there because yea nay, where all that happens and the timelines and those kinds of things, and you can get all caught up in that a lot. But you start to realize that God is in control of all that's happening, even when he allows Satan to roam as a roaring lion on a long leash and things start to happen and fall out. You go, well, I, I know the one who holds the other end of the leash. And he's not roaming aimlessly without permission. Somehow God in his sovereignty is allowing these days to have evil in them, but he's bringing good out of that evil. But as a young child, I was fearful of that. But when I started to see the context of it and then see that if I was on Jesus' side and that if Jesus wins, then I win, then I began to grow away from this life of uncertainty and fear, even though I didn't know career-wise or you know, marriage-wise or location-wise, all those kinds of things, I knew that I was with Jesus. And Jesus said, do not be fearful, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so I started to understand that bigger context. And then what happened was I sort of let go of a lot of the intensity of studying in end times. And I came back and God poured into my heart and continues to understand the day that I live in now and the opportunities that I have to be a part of his church and what he's doing in this world. So I have purpose. I have meaning because I'm serving his grander purpose. And Jesus, he has a lot of cool things for us to do. Like yesterday with the women. And not only was that encouraging to your own soul, but you got to know one another a little bit more and encourage one another. Meet new friends. Some of you are maybe even new here today and you're like, why am I in church today? And I'm saying, well, because there's good reason to be in church today. This is the body of Christ, the community of Christ, wherever you're at spiritually. Just keep stepping one step in front of the other and learn and open your heart up to God because you were made to be a part of a rich community. You were made to be a part of God's family. And so in the day that we live now, we have meaning and purpose. And it goes back and it's anchored, not only, yes, in the Old Testament, but foremostly in the New Testament when Jesus came the first time and He raised up a group of people, disciples, and those disciples were to go forth and to make more disciples to everybody everywhere. And as it says in Matthew twenty-four fourteen, when this gospel, this truth, this message, this hope has been taken to all nations, then the end will come. And so... Instead of just getting caught up in the end time of Revelation, all that's nice, and it was nice to listen to it yesterday on audio, I come back and I say, great, we got another day to make a difference for God in someone else's life, in my family, in my work partner's life, in my own life. You see, when Jesus ascended to the heavens in Acts 1, the angel said, he's going to come back in the same way you've seen him go the disciples took off from there and they began spreading that gospel, that truth throughout the known nation. I tell you what, it went pretty good. It went pretty good for about 50 years or so. Impacted the whole Roman world. And then things started to turn on the Christian followers and even the disciples. Some of them killed, martyred. Because Nero, the emperor of Rome, Rome caught on fire. Did you know that? Guess who he blamed to get off the hook? He blamed the Christians. So the Christians who had favor in Rome started to be in this persecuted category, and they started to be expelled in different places. And Domitian, who came after him, it became a very hostile environment in which to be a believer. And the Apostle John was exiled because of his testimony to an island, in the Aegean Sea, right off of Turkey, called Patmos. This revelation comes to John. You need to understand this, though, about the book of Revelation and the words that we're going to be looking at over the course of the next couple months. These are not John's words. John did not write the revelation. What does it say? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which what? God gave who? Jesus. To show who? His servants, John. What must take place. So God, somewhere in the Godhead, stirring, understanding the world, says this is what's going to happen. He gives the message to His Son, Jesus. Jesus gives the message to John. John. John writes this message down and he gives it to the churches at that time in the Asia Minor Turkey area and now we're sitting here 2000 years later actually about 1900 or so years later from when it was written and we have this incredible writing and it's not just literature and it's not just ap- uh, the apocalyptic literature It is a source of truth and encouragement and direction for you and for me. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And then isn't verse 3 pretty cool? Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. I'm blessed. I just read some of them to you. And blessed are those who hear it. You're blessed because you're starting to hear the words of the book of Revelation. And take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. This revelation came to John when he was 80 some years old. That's when he was booted out of the area that he was ministering in and he was placed as a prisoner on this island or exiled there at least. Trying to keep warm in caves at night around a fire, trying to discern what God would have for this movement that seemed to be hitting a, a lot of hard times, and the Christians of that day had gone into suffering, immense amounts of suffering. Probably around the year 95, or in 2016, right? You go back to the year 95, it actually happened. And it was written and recorded by Him. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Those seven churches will be mentioned later. We will be walking through each of those seven. Grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. Who is the one who is and was and is to come? Jesus Christ, God himself, almighty. Can you comprehend this with John? Think about the first time John met Jesus. Just a bumbling fisherman trying to figure out direction forward, and here's this young guy comes up along the seashore and calls out, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Think of John understanding Jesus in that context. And then he sees Jesus uh, work miracles around him. He's with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus appears there in all of his glory. He's with Jesus when he's condemned. He's with Jesus when he's on the cross. In fact, Jesus on the cross points out to John and says, Take care of my mom. But then he's with Jesus in that appearance after the resurrection, and he sees him in his glorified state. And he was on that precipice when Jesus ascended into the heavens, and in this revelation, he meets Jesus again—the one who is, and who was, and who is to come. And it says from the seven spirits, one of the seven spirits from the throne, in Isaiah eleven two, it lists the seven spirits. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom. Number two, the Spirit of understanding. Number three, the Spirit of counsel. Number four, the Spirit of power. Number five, the Spirit of knowledge. Number six, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And up front it says, The seven spirits ministering before His throne. Jesus Christ, the One who was and is and is to come. Then He says, Grace and peace to you from Him who... Is and was and come. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. Right there is some strong encouragement. See, we can't get to this understanding of Jesus speaks to us, speaks to his church. When we get to the seven churches in the book of Revelation until we fully have an understanding of the one who speaks And sometimes we have this diminished image of Jesus. Oh, he's you know, I did something yesterday. It actually made me sick. I was like, you know, I'm gonna look up, I'm gonna Google caricatures of Jesus. You know what a caricature is, right? A lot of times cartoon kind of thing, this and that. And when I saw the blasphemous characterizations of Jesus that were done as characters, I I just could not I mean, you never know sometimes what you get when you Google stuff, right? Especially when you click images, like, Lord, help me, here I go. <laughs> I just thought I would get some cute, you know, oh, there's people, but some of the blasphemous stuff there just grieved my soul. And I'm like, friend, you don't know who you're going to stand before. And I don't know if you have a character of Je- characterization of Jesus, a caricature of Jesus that's not wholesome or not, but we've got to define who he really is and. It begins described here. He is the faithful witness. He is true here. There is no lying in him. He is the firstborn among the dead. Jesus raised people from the dead, but it was only Jesus' resurrection body that's truly the firstborn among the dead because everybody else that he raised died again. They never had a glorified body. Even someone like Lazarus who came out of the tomb ended up dying. He still had a human body. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was the firstborn from among the dead for all who will be raised. And he had this incredible glorified body. And He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. You name the president. You name the prime minister. You name even the dictator. He's ruler over all of them. He's ruler over all of them. And so this is the one who comes and this is the one who speaks before us. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and has made us to be a kingdom and a priest to serve His God and Father. To Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen means so be it. He loves you. He loves me. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning. Does anybody love you? God loves you. There was a, a rector of an Episcopal church that studied at Cambridge, and he shared the story about when D.L. Moody came to preach when he was a young kid at Cambridge. Now, Cambridge is sort of a high and lofty kind of place of culture, right? D.L. Moody was sort of a backwoods American preacher. And he butchered the King James English all over the place. He did. They say that D.L. Moody was the only person who could say Jerusalem in one syllable. He didn't have a high education, but God's anointing was on that man. If you study anything about American church history, you'll come across D.L. Moody and the power that he had. Well, they invited him to speak at Cambridge. He came to Cambridge, and, and this young rector at the time, uh, when he was you know, studying, maybe thinking about this or that in life, he uh, he got together a bunch of other people, and they were all going to complain, and so they decided they would show up, sit on the front rows, and mock and jeer D.L. Moody when he spoke. And so it started, and Iris Sankey, who's a powerful great gospel singer started out and he sang an incredible hymn and song that just sort of quieted that whole theater there at Cambridge who thought they were on the cutting edge of culture and those kids on the front row said oh dear it's sort of getting a little solemn here and without any introduction D.L. Moody came out and he first thing he did he looked down and he said young men Don't you ever don't think that God don't love you because he do. Butchering. King's English. The Spirit of God fell in that place and he came back to that theme again and he said, don't ever believe that God don't love you because he do. And that young rector at that time before he ever went into ministry said God grabbed a hold of his heart and started to let him see. Himself. And he said, I reached down and gave my heart to Christ that day. To him who loves you this morning. Don't ever believe that God don't love you because He do. I don't care what you've done. And then He frees us, frees us from whatever it may be. Addictions, it may be grief from past, it may be from your own self and your own arrogance. But this is the Jesus to him be glory forever and ever. And he is the one that's going to speak to us in these red letter words. Verse 7, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Amen. Sort of kicks back to the Philippians passage. Every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every eye is going to see. And even those who pierced Him, those who condemned Him when He died on a cross, those who... People are going to see. Everybody writing some blasphemous or painting or, or, or drawing some blasphemous caricatures of Jesus today, they're going to see Jesus. You get frustrated with some people you hear on TV or news commentary, they're going to see Jesus. Every eye is going to see him. And those who pierced him will see him. And all the people of earth will mourn because of him. Why is that there? Because there'll be regret. Oh my God. I was joking. Well, he's not coming back. It's been 2,000 years. He's coming back. And there will be people that mourn when he comes back because there will be that wake-up call. I trust it's not you here this morning. I am the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? The beginning and the end in the Greek alphabet. Says the Lord Almighty who was and who who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, at this particular place, Revelation takes this turn personally to what happens with John. And the words that are recorded beginning with verse 9 are words that have hung with me from those early years when I remember studying vehemently the end times. And the words simply say this, picture John, 80 some years old, all the history that he had when he had seen Jesus before, the fear, the suffering and the community around him, what's going to be happening to him, what's the future hold? And it says this, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance. That is ours in Jesus. Was on the island of. Patmos. Because of the word of God. And the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day. I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me. A loud voice like a trumpet. Which said. Write on a scroll. What you see. And send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus. Ephesus to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. and, And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstand was one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching down to his feet and Across his chest was a gold sash. And his hair was white. His face and his hair were white like wool, like, like snow. And his eyes were like a blazing fire. And his feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he laid his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen and what is now. And what will take place later. The mystery of. uh, the That you saw me holding the seven stars. And of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are. The seven churches. And from there. He began to speak. To John what he was to write to the churches that we are going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. I want to hear. So what's your vision of Jesus? Is your vision of Jesus that which was just spoken by John? And among the lampstands was one like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest, This description of Jesus isn't necessarily what He will look like when you see Him. It's a description of Jesus which talks about His character, of who He is, of who you can know Him to be. And the long robe and the sash across the chest represents that He is a priest, the high priest, the ultimate priest, the one true and only priest, the only one who can mediate between you and God, bring the reconciliation because of your sin back to the Father. He is operating as a priest and still does today and will always Because he is the one who connects us with God Almighty. His head and his hair were white like wool. As white as snow. It talks about the purity of who he is and the truth of who he is. His eyes were like blazing fire. That one sort of scares me. You know why? Not because, oh my goodness, look at red eye there or something, right? No! The blazing eyes means he can penetrate. He knows. He sees. You think you've been hiding something from Jesus this last week? Get a clue. (laughs) He knows. His blazing eyes. And he still loves you in spite of all that. Maybe you've been taken advantage of and nobody else understands your true, sincere motives. He knows. His blazing eyes. And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, which represents strength, possibly the whole idea that he can trample on his enemies. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. You ever stood at the bottom of a big waterfall? I remember when I was in Niagara Falls, took the boat out. You get sopping wet. But the roar, that's Jesus when he speaks. And the truth that he carries. And in his right hand, he held these seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, two edged sword. Yeah, you think, oh, that's sort of gross. Is this a sword sticking out of his mouth? No. Sharp means that his word penetrates. And so that's why he revealed himself in that way. And his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. You can take the revelation, you can break it down into these sections things you've seen. What is now the things which are and the things which are to come? We anchored here on chapter 1 today. John's vision of Christ. The things which are the seven churches of Asia, we will pick up next week. We won't take things which are to come, 4 through 22. But it would be great reading or great listening for you this week if you want to take a stab at it. This coin, the egocentric maniac of an emperor who followed Nero, Masian, he actually proclaimed himself deified before he died. That's how strong his arrogance was. Usually you would leave, leave that to people after you die to make of you. He had an infant son. His infant son died. He put his infant son on this Roman coin. You see his son sitting there on that globe? Do you see what's around his son's hands? There are seven stars. Could it be that when Jesus made this proclamation that I hold the seven stars, he was the one who was saying, in that day when this coin would have been in use, it's not any human being that's the king of the world. I, I am the king, and I hold the seven stars, and I walk among the seven lampstands. And so he gives this exhortation to these seven churches. We will walk through each of them, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You see where Patmos was at, about 50 miles off of the Asia Minor Turkey border. That's where John was. Jesus appeared to him. He said, write these words not only for those churches but write them for churches of all time until I come again. Joe, will you come to close? We're going to come and just worship the Lord as we close with a song that talks about what Jesus did when he was here on this earth the first time. He came to pay for our sins by dying on the cross. You can receive Christ into your life. You can be assured that it ends well for you too. So, I'm going to ask the ushers during this time they can receive the ties and offerings, God ties and offerings as well as your connection cards, but let's just sing this song because one of these days we are going to see Jesus face to face. We'll be able to see his handprints that are scarred, the nail scars and the spear that pierced his side. But we are going to see him in all of his radiant glory. And I tell you what, it's a pretty good chance I'm going to fall down as dead too. But he's not to fear. He's the one you can embrace because he paid it all for you. He loves you. He wants to set you free from whatever you have. You can invite him to come into your life and choose to follow him, even during a song such as this. So come, receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. Let's sing, but then let's also look to him who is our hope, the one who helps us wherever we're at, even if we're on
1: a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. 'Cause Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. I sing that verse again. And when before the throne. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. Sing this out. Jesus paid it all to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow
0: Will you stand with me? you'd like to pray with someone this morning. Maybe there's a need. Maybe you need to experience God's love. Maybe you'd like to pray with someone to receive Christ. Maybe you need to be freed of something that has tied you down for years, maybe recently. Join back at the cross. There'll be people back there to pray for you in this direction. If you're new this morning, thanks for coming, being a part of our church family. We'd love you to be a part of this church family at the Waken if you don't have a church home. We gather once every seven days to be encouraged. And to worship the one who was, who is, and was, and is to come. But we go out now to communicate and share that gospel, that good news. When this gospel is preached to as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. And so let me send you out with a blessing. Now to him who sits on the throne. The one who's in control of all nations and all people. The One who walks among every lampstand, every church. The One whose hair is as white as wool. The One whose eyes are like blazing fire. The One whose feet are like bronze glowing in a furnace. And whose voice is like the sound of rushing waters. And whose face is like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. May that One go with You and stand as Your hope as You seek to minister to others the Gospel of Jesus Christ that He paid it all and that He is able to redeem every man, woman, and child until He comes again. Be blessed, Amen. See some of you it's Saturday night. You can get your.